In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping their flocks by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this shall be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place which the Lord has made known to us. And so they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. And when they saw this, they, they made known what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You may be seated. It's a truth that I have noticed that some announcements should not be made. It's been a discussion among the church leadership as long as I've been a part of this church. What qualifies a good announcement? Is the announcement concise during worship? Does it apply to all people? But this business of announcements is not just church business. You know, and I know, if you've been around young children, that some announcements should not be made. Some announcements are too private and personal, and the larger group does not want to hear about them. And other announcements, well, they're so obvious that the larger group is trying to ignore them, and it would make people embarrassed and uncomfortable if they are made. But every now and then, there is an announcement that is important that needs to be made. And the Gospel of Luke brings us such a scene. The birth of the Messiah, God with us, Emmanuel. Well, who should make this announcement? You and I both know that not everyone should make an important announcement. We need someone who is polished, someone with a degree of poise. You know, if I am the angel of the Lord, I want to pick someone with some experience speaking to groups, Uh, someone who is a professional. But that is not who the angel of the Lord speaks to. That is not who the angel of the Lord passes this important information on to. The angel of the the Lord appears to the shepherds who are watching their flocks by night. And the shepherds are not, by any stretch of the imagination, a polished group in the first century. This is a tough group, a rough group. They smell like smoke from the campfire and sweat and sheep. 
They are the first century version of a poacher because they let their sheep graze on other people's land. This is not a polished group. And we know for certain that this is not a polished group when they burst in on the new parents in the middle of the night. The shepherds. I'm not sure that I would give important information to the shepherds to share. But they must see the sign. It's important to them to see the sign that the angels spoke to them about. And this is not a glorious sign. This is just a common scene. Another baby born to a poor couple. Luke Johnson says, There is nothing extraordinary about the circumstances that surround the birth of the Messiah King. But that's the beauty of it, isn't it? That God's plan, God's fidelity can be worked out among common occurrences by common people. You know, maybe the shepherds understand this message. The shepherds' very presence in this story reminds us of the shepherd king, King David, son of Jesse, who was raised in Bethlehem, this town that the shepherds go to see the sign. Maybe the shepherds get this sign. Maybe they're excited about this sign, and they will tell everyone. And if the shepherds will tell everyone, well, then I suspect that everyone will see if the shepherds are included No one could be excluded from this good news. Yes, maybe the shepherds are the best person to make this announcement. There is nothing in the manger scene that demands my attention. I'm not used to this. Crises at work demand my attention. Breaking news demands my attention. My family needs my help. Even texts and phone calls require a response. But there's nothing in the manger scene that requires my attention. There's nothing extraordinary about the manger scene. You might say, well, my manger scene has an angel. Mine does. The angel's perch is right on top of the stable. But not Luke's manger scene. Luke's manger scene, the angel's place, is out in the fields with the shepherds. There's nothing in this manger scene that demands my attention. Not the sheep, not the cattle, not the ordinary couple with a new baby. Fred Craddock says that this manger scene is an ordinary couple that is busy with the chores of childbirth when the shepherds break in upon them. This is just an ordinary scene, a quiet scene. And yet, I do know that it's true. That often in my life, it is the quiet scenes that I notice, not that demand my attention, but that I notice that 
are the most significant to me. You know, it's noticing the beauty of the sun reflected off of water or a gentle breeze through leaves of a tree or the beauty of a child as they sleep or a toddler's laugh, uh, the sparkle in a friend's eye or a compassionate tear that runs down the face of another. It's the significance of the small. It is true that often things that demand my attention may get my adrenaline running. They may have a wow factor to them. But it's the quiet, still places where I sense awe, where I sense God's presence. And that's true of this manger scene. St. Bernard wrote about the manger scene, saying that this is where we see the great kindness of God. God's kindness was always there, for the scriptures say that his mercy is present from everlasting to everlasting. But until this time, it was hidden from our eyes. It was prophesied, but now it's present. To us, a gift is given, a child is given, and St. Bernard said it's a sack full of mercy. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah said a child will be born, authority will rest upon his shoulders, and we will call him Mighty God and Prince of Peace. The child waits for us in the manger And he has a gift. It's a gift that was promised by the great Caesar Augustus, bringer of peace. But it is only this child through whom real peace can be realized, restoring the balance, bringing peace to our lives. Oh, you may walk past it many times in the next few days, the manger scene. It doesn't demand our attention, but it is, in fact, worthy of our attention. And now our senior pastor, David Magnitsky, has has a statement for us and a word. Thank you, David. One of my favorite stories comes from Soren Kierkegaard in the 19th century. He tells about a young boy who lived on a farm who heard the circus was coming to town, so he's very excited, asked his dad if he could go to the circus. His dad said if he did his chores, he'd give him money so he could do that. And he did his chores quickly and efficiently, and his dad gave him the money. He got to town so quickly that he actually got there ahead of the circus. In fact, the circus was on parade. In those days, the circus would parade into town as a a way to whet people's appetites, drum up business. You would see the jugglers, maybe an elephant or two, and the giraffe. You'd see a clown, and, and they would go through the town, then set up shop, and the circus would open. The boy was so excited, he saw the elephants, he saw the giraffe, he saw the jugglers. So excited was he that he reached in his pocket, took all the money his dad had given him, gave it to the clown, and ran home. Now, I tell you that this morning because I feel a little bit like that clown. 
And that is, I am more than happy this Sunday and every Sunday to receive whatever money you want to give and God has led you to give toward this church. And especially in view of the fact that we still need about 300000 over the last 10 days to do everything God has called us to do. But I don't want you to think for a moment that this is the whole circus. When you come here Sunday after Sunday faithfully, you see the parade. But you need to know, and I need for you to know, that when the tents are set up, so much more is happening. People are come to this campus and to our Riverside campus and our Asbury campus, and they receive help for food and utility and uh, utilities in times of need. There are people in other parts of the country who receive benefit from our mission trips, and there are people in Burundi and Uganda and Haiti. Costa Rica, and parts of Mexico, India, who benefit from the gifts that you give through our church. And you, didn't need, you need to know that in life transitions, people are helped through this church. Birth, marriage, illness, and at the time of death, you are there through this church. And you also, I think, would find it important to know that people of all ages come to know God, God's word, be able to learn to recognize God's voice through study and through prayer at this church. It happens and so much more. What you see this Sunday is simply the passing parade. I wanted you to know that. But more importantly, I wanted you to know how grateful we are that you continue to give and make all of this possible. I hope that you have a person in your family like my sister-in-law. Every family should. Because when you give her a gift, She not only lets you know, but she lets everyone else in the room know how much she loves that gift. There's clapping of hands, maybe even a few squeals, stomping of feet, and I love it. And thank yous, exclaims. I want to be more like her. Instead, when I receive a gift, my response is usually pretty flat. But you might say, But Dinah, you're probably more like Mary, pondering all these things in your heart. That would be kind of you. Such a kind group. But I want to be more like the shepherds, glorifying and praising God. You know, and I think that the shepherds probably take their cue from the angels. Because it is the angel of the Lord that says to the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy. And so it is true that joy automatically follows this good news. The word in Greek is the same as the word for gospel. So it is joy that automatically follows this gospel story, this good news. And then the angels not only say that joy follows the good news, but the angels do it. Because as soon as the angel of the Lord proclaims this good news to the shepherds, The sky is filled with a heavenly army, and the heavenly army sings glory to God in the highest. Yes, there is great joy because of this good news, because of this new story. Isaiah says, sing to the Lord a new song. 
Sing to the Lord all the earth. And St. Augustine writing about, I'm sorry, that's a psalm, writing about that psalm, said, let your, let your whole life, not just your tongue, chant this new song. You see, I think there is a difference, an important difference, between the shepherds and Mary. You, think, you know, I think when Mary looks at this baby, Mary foresees the burden that will be placed upon this child, her child. But when the shepherds look at this baby, well, all the shepherds see is freedom. And you and I belong with the shepherds this day. The angel says, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. There's a gift. And it's a gift that we've been expecting. It doesn't shock or surprise us. But it's better than we expected. And it does call us to stomp our feet, clap our hands, and say thank you. Thank you. I love it. Let us pray. God of heaven and earth, you have promised that when the Messiah comes, ears will be unstopped and eyes will be opened. We ask that you give us a measure of that promise today so that we may be amazed by the signs of your redeeming work that are all around us. May we live as your people, whose praise is fervent and whose lives overflow with love for you, for others, and even for ourselves. We pray this in the name of your Son, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Amen.